Today we continue in our soul care series. Thank you to whoever secured, who was here last week. Jason was. <laughs> he was good sport about it. You know? uh, but seriously, thank you to whoever took care of that. Secured the top of the table to the stand. Uh, we continue in our soul care series today. We look at principle four, forgiving others. It's a tough one at times. We've probably all experienced that. I have had to wrestle with this on more than one occasion, but particularly a season of my life in my, in my 20s um, with someone very close. Wow. Uh, it was a difficult season of wrestling with knowing what I needed to do in, in, in terms of forgiveness, but it's hard, and it took God's help. We've probably all struggled with forgiving others, maybe saying things like, well, come on, God wouldn't ask me to forgive him for that, would he? Or maybe the expression of, <laughs> are you kidding Forgive and, and, and let her off the hook, really? Or maybe it's, God, I know you want me to forgive them, but I'm not sure I have it in me to do that. And this applies no matter our age. And some of you students, already you've been hurt, been betrayed by a family member or a friend. It's hard doesn't feel good. It's not right what happened, maybe. But what does God want you to do with that is the question this morning. I want us all to open our heart to God's word. And God, we do that this morning. We open our heart to your truth today. I've shared this story before, but many years ago when our son Brennan was about five I had overreacted and disciplined him without knowing all the facts and sent him to his room angrily. Anybody ever done that also? Come on, make me feel better, parents. Well, Miriam, being the loving wife and loving mother that she was, uh, kindly but straight, kind of filled me in on all the facts, actually, after the incident. And so... I wrestled with my pride for a while and made my way up to Brennan's room and sat beside him on the bed where he was lying down and, and crying. I said what I needed to say and asked him to forgive me for disciplining him the way that I did. And immediately, he reached up his arms and put them around my neck and said, I forgive you, Dad. That feels so good. Felt so good. What a feeling to be forgiven. And then the very next words out of his mouth were, and these words truly showed that I had been effective as a dad at training my boy. I, I kid you not, the very immediately the very next words out of his mouth were, go Oilers, go. Go Oilers, go. It was awesome. He knew what was important. But wow, that's, that's freeing 
to be forgiven. And, and probably most of us in some way know that. And those of us that are Christ followers know that. I want to highlight three general observations about forgiveness before we look at two good questions from this soul care book chapter. Why should we forgive and how do we forgive? So three observations, general observations about forgiveness. First of all, unforgiveness is a thief. Unforgiveness is a thief. Some of you at times may have held on to issues of unforgiveness and resentment for a long time and it's tormented you and it's adversely affected your life possibly in more ways than you've been willing to admit. It may be keeping you from experiencing the gift of Jesus' joy in your life that long ago was you know, kind of drowned out completely in a, in a tidal wave of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. You know it, don't you? It steals joy. It steals time. It steals health uh, physically, emotionally, and certainly spiritually. It steals peace of mind. It can even ultimately steal our eternal salvation. So, I mean, this is serious stuff. My friend, let it, let it steal from you no longer. I, I pray that if this is where you're at right now, that, that today is a day when you turn the corner on this by God's help. You can. You can. Secondly, forgiveness is not dismissing the wrong with no accountability. Sometimes we can confuse that. Forgiveness is not dismissing the wrong with no accountability. Offering forgiveness does not mean that the perpetrator is now not accountable for their actions. Now, are we always the one to bring that accountability? No. Many times we can't. Sometimes it might be justice that comes in the court of law to a person. And if that's necessary, then that's important. Other times it might be that that individual uh, becomes accountable to their boss or to their teacher or whoever it might be. And, and we need to be honest sometimes, right? Sometimes the, the line is blurry between what is justice and, and what is vengeance. And determining that takes some, sometimes some prayerful heart evaluation, doesn't it? But, but let me say that it's, it's right for people to be held accountable for their wrong actions. However, in, in saying that, there will be times when we need to remember Paul's words in Romans 12, 19. Do not take vengeance, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Wow. Wow. Chuck Colson was a senior aide to President Nixon and was part of the Watergate scandal back in, the U, uh, back in 1972 in the U.S. government. He was arrested. He spent, uh, I think it was seven months in prison. And during that difficult time of his life, uh, a friend of his, a genuine Christ follower, shared Jesus and Jesus' message of grace with him. And Colson uh, became a, a Christ follower and, and after that, a, a prolific and excellent uh, Christian author. He wrote this about the justice of God really tied in with the scripture verse from Romans that I just read. He said, when there is no human justice, my responsibility is to forgive and to trust in the justice of God. Again, not always easy to do. Third observation is that forgiveness does not necessarily mean that there will be reconciliation, right? I mean, some, some of you know that. 
Romans 12, 18 puts it well. As far as depends on you, live at peace with one. As far as depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In other words, we, we can't control what others do or, or how others will respond. Forgiveness is, again, forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. Of course, for reconciliation to happen, there needs to be forgiveness. But just because we give, genuinely offer, and release forgiveness to someone, it does not necessarily mean that there will be reconciliation. Because, of course, it takes two to bring that about. As disciples of Jesus, we need to remember that even if there is no reconciliation, No matter how the other person responds or doesn't respond, we are still responsible before God to forgive as his followers. We are. So, three important observations there. Now, two simple but very good questions that the author of the Soul Care Study asks, and you'll unpack these in your small group probably a little bit more this week. Some of you have already read uh, this chapter in the book. First of all, first question, why, why should we forgive? Why should we forgive? Because we're forgiven. As Christ followers, because we are forgiven huge. Reverend Dale and Diane Lang's 17-year-old son, Jason, some of you remember the story, was shot and killed at his high school in southern Alberta in Tabor in 1999. But their testimony of forgiveness is so incredibly inspiring. And Reverend Dale Lang spoke that story and told us about the journey a lot of years ago from this stage in this church. Some of you may remember that. Faith Today magazine quoted this grieving father, Dale Lang, as saying, Without God's love, I couldn't have forgiven that young man who shot our son. It's too painful a thing to do on your own. With God in my heart, he has made it possible. And I I, I can't wrap my mind around that, actually. And I I don't think any of us can unless you walk that path. But what a statement of God's power, obviously working in his life and in his heart. He said, "I've, I've been set free from bitterness. In this same article, I've been set free from bitterness and anger and unforgiveness. And that's a wonderful gift, he said. None of us would say that's easy. But God has powerfully modeled forgiveness to us and and wants us, calls us, requires us as his followers to reflect and show that same grace to others, even to those who hurt us and betray us. Forgiveness, why? Secondly, because bitterness is corrosive. And again, sadly, some of us know that. How, how corrosive in here, in here, that, that bitterness is. That unforgiveness that we hold on to is. If we want to truly care for our soul, which this series is all about, we're, we'll, we'll see that withholding forgiveness is, is corrosive to our hearts, minds, and our spiritual lives. The author of this study, this book, Soul Care, writes this statement. Someone once said, resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. That's well, well said. 
Nikki, uh, Nikki Gumbel, the founder and uh, main teacher of uh, the Alpha Course, puts it another way. He says, holding a grudge against someone is like allowing them to live rent-free in your head. <laughs> Some of you know what that's all about, as I do. Back to Dale and Diane Lang's story. The day after their son was shot, the TV news, I, I watched it, as so, some of you did, showed the, the Langs in a prayer circle with a few friends in the very place their son was shot in that school hallway. And in that time of prayer, they, they prayed for the teenage shooter. And only days after that painful tragedy, Dale Lang spoke about the, the danger of unforgiveness. I respect that man so much. And I don't know him other than meeting him the day he spoke at our church. But he said, unforgiveness, unforgiveness damages if you leave it there. Very true. And unforgiveness is not just corrosive to our own lives, to our own soul. And listen to the words in the New Testament from Hebrews chapter 12 that God, through the writer, says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile you. Uh, yes, but that's not how it's put. Defile many. We know. Bitterness, unforgiveness held on to, it becomes corrosive. It adversely affects probably every relationship we have. Second question. How do we forgive? Uh, I'm, I'm going to highlight uh, Dr. Reimer's eight points, each very, very briefly to give you an idea of the good and biblical material that's in this book. And again, some of you know it already. Some of you are going to read it this week. Uh, the books are still available if you uh, uh, catch Pastor Joel. He's the guy that was up here doing the announcement, speaking about some other sports team. I'm not sure about that. But anyway, you can see him or see myself if you still want to get the book, and I encourage you to do so. Or you can obviously order it online, um, Soul Care by Dr. Reimer. Eight things about how do we do this? How? Some very good, insightful, and, and three or four of this list of eight might really resonate with you and, and help you. You know, there might be a couple that are like, oh, what, you know, so just, but, but I encourage you to, uh, to really uh, uh, look at this list and, and find elements of this list uh, aspects of this list that, that would be helpful to you moving forward, okay? First of all, remember God's grace. <laughs> Keeps coming back to that, doesn't it? Of course. Remember God's grace. The next time you're having a conversation with someone in your head, you know, you're, you're planning on what you're going to say the next time you see them, as we've probably all done. Why don't, why don't, we, why don't we pause right there? Why doesn't that... Be, be the thing that causes us just to, just to stop and, and, and shift our thinking towards God's amazing grace that he's shown to us. I, I want to do that. I want to do that consistently. Our, our hearts and our attitudes in that moment can be shifted 
Reading scripture that talks about God's character of grace can help us do this. Remember, find whatever ways you can to remember in the moment. Bring to mind God's grace. Secondly, pray blessings. Yeah, <laughs> upon the person who hurt you so deeply. Come on, Marlo, you're, you're really taking this too far now. Pray blessings on their life. Well, don't blame me. Don't even blame the author, Rob Reimer, who brings this forth. Blame Jesus. Take it up with him. Our Lord's words in Luke 6. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and here it is. Pray for those who mistreat you. It'll do something good for them, but it'll do something good for us that we need as Jesus followers. Thirdly, see yourself like your offender. In other words, there are probably times when what we're holding a grudge for is something that we ourselves have done. So just kind of keep that in mind. The author reminds us. Fourth, offer forgiveness at the level of the offense. And due to lack of time, I won't get into this. I'm going to just ask you to read the, the two very good pages in the book on, on, uh, on that point there. Fifthly, choose forgiveness. Emphasis on the word choose. Isn't that, isn't that always the case with this spiritual walk, with our walk with Jesus? It comes down to a choice. Daily, for anything, to grow in God, to, to grow in connection with His Word, to, to trust Him when we're, you know, freaking out and, and filled with anxiety, whatever it is, it, it's, it comes down to a choice. And it's no different with this discussion about forgiving people. The author of the book writes, forgiveness is a matter of obedience. And as Christ followers, it's in our heart if we genuinely know Christ and have received his forgiveness. We want, we want to follow him. We want to, we want to obey him. We want to obey his word. Here's an opportunity. Forgiveness is a matter of obedience, Dr. Reimer writes. He says, you, you have a choice to forgive. You have to determine to not get even, to not hold onto a grudge. It is He uses a pretty straight word. It is a duty of the servant of a cross-bearing Savior. If you're a follower of Jesus, we are His servant. We follow His lead. We obey what He says. And He says, forgive. Forgive. When, when, when we say, as a lot of us, including myself, have, have said before, it's too hard. When we say it's too hard to forgive, it really comes down to the fact that we're unwilling to do so. No one's saying it's not hard. But with God, it's possible. Sixth, process through forgiveness. Many of you know, as I do, that after you come to the place of being able to truly forgive someone authentically, most of the time, you will still have to go back and revisit that place and revisit that forgiveness commitment at some point in the future because those feelings come up. Something happens, a reminder of what took place comes up again. And there you find yourself feeling those same awful, toxic feelings of bitterness. And wanting the worst for that person. And what, you know, whatever it is. Just because you've 
genuinely forgiven doesn't mean you'll never have to deal with it and, and recommit to that. And just because you feel those feelings again after you thought, oh, I thought I dealt with that, doesn't mean that that situation in your past of releasing forgiveness wasn't, it wasn't real. Right? Process. Seventh, remember that God is redemptive. I love that word. In other words, God can bring good out of things that are not good. It's the verse we often hear quoted in Romans chapter 8 that sometimes can be stretched to mean more than I think is meant there and in the whole of the New Testament. God reminds us, though, in this, in this passage, Romans 8, 28 and 29, that He can use anything in our lives that, that comes for our good. And that good is, that good is not an easy life necessarily. It's not a big bank account, although that's not bad depending on our heart uh, attachment to, to the money and all that, right? But the good in this passage is not necessarily any number of things that we might call good. Rather, it's how God uses all kinds of circumstances to shape us into the image of His Son. Verse 29 says there, that's the good. To become like Jesus. So that in situations like this, we can more, I don't want to say more easily, because I don't know that it's ever easy in this human frame, right? Uh, but, but we can more consistently respond as Jesus would respond and want us to respond. Growth and character is the good that Jesus wants to bring out of all that we face in life. And that, that outcome, that end goal, uh, that to be a reality, just, uh, it comes about as we respond, as Christ would want us to respond, no matter what the circumstance is. So God is redemptive, means that he can work what, what he views as good into our lives through every circumstance. And then finally, grieve your hurts and losses. And again, I won't take time here. Uh, for time's sake, you can, you can uh, catch up on that on your own reading, and I, I hope you will. I end with a story. Again, as a reminder to all of us that we can do this. Think of that situation right now that you've been harboring, that person that you've been just holding bitterness toward and unforgiveness to. For some of you, that's, that's the case today as I speak whether you're here or, or, or engaging online, that, that the Spirit of God wants to, to walk you through this to wholeness and to a Christ-honoring place of forgiving them. As I said, I share a story that is uh, something that none of us probably can, can relate to or comprehend, but it's a, a reminder that the forgiveness I harbor with God's help and my obedience is, is, is more than possible. Some of you know the name, Corey Ten Boom. She was born in 1892 and grew up in a, a, a working uh, family, a family that owned a, a watchmaker shop in Holland. They were brought up to live for God. Their father read the Bible every morning to his family and to the employees in that business as they started their day in that shop. Well, after World War II started, Jewish businesses in the area 
were starting to be shut down. Shops began to display signs saying that Jews would not be served. Jewish people began to disappear and their homes were taken. The Ten Boom watchmaker shop eventually became a hiding place for Jews who would have otherwise been sent to concentration camps. And in this place, in this big old house and shop, there was hidden walls and it was, it was perfect. An ideal hiding place for many. On February 28, 1944, a Dutch man came to the Ten Boom house and claimed to be looking for a place to hide and to protect Jews. As it turned out, though, he was a, collabor a collaborator with the Nazis. And so that day, the Gestapo arrested 30 people, including Corrie Ten Boom and her family. It's estimated that the Ten Boom family saved the lives of 800 Jewish people plus others from the resistance movement. And because of it, Corey and her family were taken to Schwenigen Prison. I might need your correction on that pronunciation later, later, Wouter. Thank you. They were taken to a prison. Where 10 days later, uh, Corey's father passed away. Toward the end of the war, Corey and her sister Betsy were moved into the women's extermination camp at Ravensbrück near Berlin, and they, they were treated badly. They were overworked. They were underfed, experienced the worst of the concentration camp life, if you could call it that. But despite that, the terrible conditions, the Ten Boom sisters were an amazing encouragement and source of strength. Because of their trust in God, a source of strength and encouragement to the other inmates. Betsy died of starvation and ill treatment on the first day of 1945 at that same concentration camp. And as the Allied armies approached Berlin, the surviving prisoners, along with Corey, were allowed to go free. And as the war ended, Corey Tenboom found herself alone back in her family's watchmaker shop. The Hiding Place is the title of the book about Corey Ten Boom's story. And it, it, it ends with a striking incident that displays Corey's authentic Christian faith. At a church where she was speaking, Corey was greeted by a man who had been a Nazi guard at the Ravensbrück concentration camp. But had become, he had become a, a Christ follower, had committed his life, his life to Christ. And there, there he was uh, standing before her at the, at the end of this, this service, this church service. Corey said she found it very hard to reach out her hand and shake his. But when she finally did, well, here's what she wrote about that moment. As I shook his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder along my arm and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him, while into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. And so I discovered, she wrote, that it is not on our forgiveness that the world's healing hinges, but on God's. When he tells us to love our enemies, 
He gives, along with His command to do so, the love itself. Thank God for that. God's love to pass along to others, even those who've hurt us, is there for us to receive and share. Corey Ten Boom's example is one of forgiveness, compassion, courage. And until the day she died on her 91st birthday, she maintained that her ability to forgive came from God alone. Given the situation, I'm sure none of us would doubt that. But we need that same. Even though maybe what we're holding unforgiveness about is, is, is so far lower on the scale or whatever than, 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 than this story, but it doesn't matter. We, we, still, we still need that supernatural deliverance of God's love and grace in our lives to forgive as Jesus calls us to forgive, don't we? Or am I only speaking for myself here? I, I, I think probably not. And God uses stories of other Christ followers like this to inspire us and to remind us that with God's help, we, we can do this. We can do this. So this morning as we close, I just want to leave you with a question. I want us to pause for a moment in quiet, actually, in just a moment's time. The question is, who is it that you need to forgive? I want you to, you probably already are imagining their face. Say their name to Jesus in these moments. Commit to forgive them as Jesus wants you to and in the way he wants you to. How does God want you to, to, to deliver your expression of forgiveness to them? How, how does he want you to do that? Who is that person? In a moment of quiet right now, I want you to reflect prayerfully on that question. Who is it that God is asking you to forgive? God, as you've spoken, as you will speak yet to us about this, may we listen. May we be open-hearted to listen to the whisper of your